Hi, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of uh, of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to come and share with you uh, this uh, today. Uh, This week, uh, we've commenced our studying our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, This week's theme is the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. And today, uh, we're simply asking, is Christ's teaching on murder and violence still valid? Today, our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher, uh, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. So welcome to you, David. Hello, Gary. Good afternoon, listeners. It is wonderful to have you back with us again. Spring is almost here. The weather is changing. What do you mean it's wonderful to have me back with you? It's good that you're back. You've been on leave for, what, a month? I have, actually, five weeks. This is my second day back. Yesterday, I tell you, it was it was a little bit of a struggle to get back into the system again. I'd almost forgotten how this whole system works. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is. It's really good to be back again and to have you back with us as well. You know, it's... Uh, uh, it, uh, you, I understand that you've actually been on a little bit of a holiday as well, um, on the Murray or something. Yeah, look, a couple of days uh, in the school holidays, South Australian school holidays, my wife and two children, we spent a couple of nights on a houseboat, which was, uh, yeah, really um, de-stressing and refreshing. Beautiful weather, incredible sunsets and fires. and yeah. And all those sorts of things. And the temperature was nice too. I really love the houseboats on the Murray. I, I, I've been on there once or, once or twice. I remember, uh, going on my, my 60th birthday. I had, uh, I, I said to my family, I said, look guys, I don't want uh, a big party. I don't want, uh, to have a, a lot of, a lot of people. Uh, and if you really wanted to give me a present, what I'd love you to be able to do is, uh, if you wanted to, to toss in and don't give me any other presents, but if you wanted to toss in, we'll hire a houseboat and go out on the Murray for three nights. Um, and we did it off-season. Yes. And uh, uh, off-season actually is far cheaper. Uh, it, it really is good, isn't it? And there's less boats on the water and it's quieter and... Yeah, look, it's an incredible way to relax, I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I really appreciated what our, you know, what my family actually did for us there. It was, it was an incredible, an incredible blessing. Well, actually. when you hit your 70th birthday, Gary, you'll have to hit them up for it again. Yes, I, I, I hate to admit that I've actually passed that, uh, that very significant milestone in my, uh, in my life. It's a dangerous time I've discovered. It's, uh, yes, I'm about to become a grandfather. Just in the next week or so, I'll become a grandfather. And that's, uh, uh, that's a challenging thought as well because I really haven't regarded myself as old enough uh, to actually be a, a grandfather. And this little grandchild will have to, will have, uh, you'll have pressure on yourself. They'll be looking up to you, Gary. And they will be looking up for those of you who may not be able, who may not know me, I'm, I actually stand about uh, uh, about I'm just under two meters tall. So yes, that's uh, that's David's uh, uh, funny on uh, on that particular point. But look, guys, let's come to our World Watch segment now. David, look, I've got a really interesting document for you today. Uh, there's a number of religious websites that I do actually follow because I I love one of my hobbies is actually keeping in touch with what's going on in the religious 
religious world. Now, there's one website in particular that I try to look at, you know, probably once uh, once a week or, or so, and that uh, website's entitled America. Now, uh, this is actually the uh, uh, the website of the uh, American uh, Jesuit uh, organization, and some of the material they put on there uh, is uh, uh, is really challenging and, and really uh, gives me a good understanding of the direction of the entire religious world. I'm certainly no Jesuit myself. I, I I certainly disagree with the vast majority of what I read. But, you know, the thing that it does give me an understanding of is the direction the religious world is actually moving. I think it's so important, David, you know, that we actually go to the primary sources uh, rather than going to what people are saying about than uh, some organisation. That's what I that's what I attempt to do. But I picked up an article just uh, was actually just uh, just yesterday, I think it was. And uh, uh, the article was entitled and I actually agreed with so much that was in this particular article. Facebook, it said, Facebook wants you to pray with them. Now, this is written by the American Jesuits. Don't trust their intentions. Now, this really um, stood out. This jumped out at me, this, this particular article. But let me, let me just read to you what, uh, what the, the author, author said. Between March 2020 and May 2021, I offered, and of course this gentleman is a, is a priest, I offered Sunday Mass on Facebook. It wasn't something that I've ever done before. One of the things that surprised me most about the experience was the prayers of intercession. At a normal Sunday liturgy, the intercessions are yet another moment when we in the congregation are asked to listen as someone reads pre-written intentions that may touch on something going on in the parish, but in general... They look a bit beyond. Uh, in uh, It is the church are praying for the church and for the world. Having Mass online, however, allowed everyone to offer their own intentions, and the liturgies became much more personal as a result. It affected what I preached about and also created a palatable a sense of community amongst those in attendance. Most of those people I have never met or even laid eyes on, That was true for the entire congregation. And yet, as the months went by, it became clear how much they had come to know about and care for one another. Now, that's the background to what's going on here. Uh, The author, a Roman Catholic priest, then goes on uh, to say this. Seeing so many religious communities turn to their platform uh, during the pandemic Facebook has decided to offer a prayer feature of its own. It's not something that you can find on the main feed just yet. But as of now, all Facebook groups have the option of allowing people to ask for prayers to which others can respond by clicking a button that says, I prayed. Seeing as so many religious communities turned to their platform during the pandemic, Facebook has decided to offer a, offer that prayer feature uh, of its own. The author then uh, continues. Now get this. We're not talking about the Vatican or the Dalai Lama giving a cool way to show your solidarity with somebody else here. We're talking about Facebook, a company that makes its living of convincing people to reveal as much of their lives as possible on its platform. Offering a prayer function is not an attempt to help people, but rather a way of using them. The company has acknowledged that people's prayer posts will affect the ads they see. 
Undoubtedly, the whole point of having a specific prayer feature is to make it easier for Facebook to collate and sell people's prayer-related data. Facebook's new spiritual functionality thus, in a sense, weaponizes our prayers against us. Now, this isn't me saying this. This is a, a priest of the Jesuit order of, of the Catholic Church. Uh, offering a prayer function is not an attempt to help people, but rather another way of using them. The company has acknowledged that people's prayer posts are going to affect the ads they see. From a spiritual point of view, it is madness, really, he says. Prayer is an act of surrender, a way that we acknowledge our helplessness and turn our faces back towards God who loves us and who saves us. And yet, repackaged on Facebook, the package, the practice of prayer seems to be much more likely to invite us to turn further inward into that social media hellscape of self-promotion. Then he says, pray for us. Indeed. People come to church, he concludes, each Sunday, carrying their private petitions. Often, they're the most important things going on in their lives, and yet our liturgies never actually give them a chance to share them. Uh, The best that we usually provide is a moment of silence. Now, of course, that uh, that comes uh, from America Magazine, which is the magazine of the American Jesuits, and uh, he's commenting. This uh, this is a priest commenting on what uh, Facebook is currently up to. Now, David, look, I really am interested in your feedback on, on this particular issue. Now, look, um, this is this is social media. So much of even our own religious services have gone. Onto social media, on going onto media in recent times. Does social media have a, what is the, um, uh, role that you see social media playing in religious services long term? I believe it'll only increase, Gary. Um, we should be using every means we can, form of communication, media, social media, every form we can use, we should use to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I see it's going to grow bigger. What will church look like after this pandemic? None of us know, but clearly uh, what we thought was normal will not be the case. Mm-hmm. And so increasingly now, I don't know about you, I remember probably even 10 years ago, there would be the a, a white pages and a yellow pages, phone book delivered. Oh, yeah, I remember making a fair bit of money out of that, actually, because our, our youth group used to actually become involved in that. When's the last time you saw? I don't even know if they make them anymore. I don't think they do. I don't a- think they and do. And so we go to search everything on the net. That's That's where you go to look for everything. You get reviews, all sorts of things. So clearly... Media and social media are, are platforms that are going to be around for a lot longer and they'll continue to be there. Um, our messaging and what we put out as a Christian church and churches will increase. So I don't have an issue with that. And I do believe it provides a level of connection with, with believers, although nothing replaces face-to-face, uh, person-to-person contact. Good. Okay. I, I, I certainly accept what you're saying there. I think that I 100% agree with you that this is only going to increase uh, the use of technology in, in ministry. But David, what, 
what dangers, what bells are going off in your mind? What dangers do you see in, I suppose, what I would call the, the secular commercialization of religious activity? Because that's actually what's occurring here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I certainly, um, uh, I, I'm on Facebook, Gary, but I might look at it once a week, if you like, and, uh, uh, if you're lucky. Yeah. And, um, for other people, it's a huge part of their daily life. I mean, some yeah. would spend hours and hours. Yeah. I do not agree with the commercialization of, uh, things such as prayer as, as this article talks about. I mean, it's, it's, um, in one sense, uh, the thought that came to mind, and it's not an accurate one, would be uh, like a parasite. Um, mm. Here is Facebook on this occasion, you know, according to the article, um, adding this function for the whole purpose of uh, creating more money, more revenue, more advertisements, more targeting, uh, if you like, maybe even the people's prayer posts mm. to, to work out how they're going to be able to market to them even more. I, I don't agree with it. And I, and I think that takes away and uh, diminishes the value and the importance of prayer. Um, Gary, um, Revelation 18, mm-hmm. we have an end-time picture, prophetic picture um, of of a power called Babylon. If you, if you want to uh, broaden that further, we would say uh, Babylon in the Old Testament was always against God's people. Yeah, yeah. And so end-time Babylon is a union of false religions and religious powers that uh, and institutions that are against God's people, mm-hmm. his last day people. And so in Revelation 18, when uh, Babylon uh, falls and ultimately is destroyed, Lots of symbols used, and of here. course, of course, Babylon as I mean, having uh, taught uh, prophecy for many years, you know, to, to me, the thing that really jumps out at me is that there are a number of commentators who say that you know Babylon is the institutional church. Yes, how do you respond to that? I think whenever any professed Christian denomination or any religion. Um, and we're talking Christian, I guess, primarily, deviates from the Word of God mm. and places their, their, their facilities, their programs, their organizations, their name above the Word of God, and they aberrate from the Word of God, then yes. Um, because Babylon means confusion. Means confusion. And, and that to me is incredibly uh, significant. And to me, I think that Revelation chapter 18 that you've actually pointed to there is really key and significant because you actually get a picture there of, uh, of Babylon, if you like, I suggest the institutional church coming together with the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth. You know, is it possible for spirituality to be picked up by the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth? Definitely. I mean, if you can make money on it um, and you, you, you have that focus of marketing and sales, why wouldn't you? So absolutely. And, and the picture there in Revelation, Revelation 18 is when Babylon falls, the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth are mourning because yeah. they're no, no longer able to trade and make money, if you like, um, from this organization, yeah. from yeah. this entity. The other thing that um, comes to mind when we talk about um, joining um, the religious, and prayer is an incredible gift. It's free. It's no waiting. It's, you know, it's private. It's, it can't be. It's the one thing that can't be taken from the believer 
and from the church. Well, it's not the only thing. There are others that can't be taken to Holy Spirit, also can't be taken from the church. That's right. You're uh, never out of range with prayer and yeah. the Holy Spirit. All of these things, right? You've got coverage everywhere. Yeah. Um, so immediately my mind, besides Revelation 18, jumps to Daniel chapter 5. And uh, we know that Daniel and Revelation, two sort of sister books, they, they yep, feed yep, off yep. each other, if you like. And in Revelation 5, you've got... Uh, the uh, Daniel fall 5. Of, sorry, Daniel 5. Thanks, Gary. You've got the fall of ancient Babylon, and there the king uh, sees writing on the wall. And uh, the reason why he sees that is he is judged and found wanting because he is he is um, used... Uh, Goblets and instruments from the Jewish temple that was seized when when Jerusalem was destroyed. He is using them, filling them with wine, and he is praising his own God. So he's mixing. Here you've got a secular power mixing uh, with religion and, again, confusion. And that, of course, is the very night... That Babylon falls. God writes on the wall those immortal words: "You are found. You are weighed in the balance and found wanting. And found wanting. And why? Because what Babylon has done has merged together the the spiritual with the secular." Yeah, and, and let's not be too hard on ancient Babylon. We've talked about symbolic modern Babylon at the end of time. My mind also jumps to John 2, the cleansing of the temple. Mm. There in Jesus' day, you have the story of the Jewish religious leaders when it comes to things such as Passover, where um, the Jews would have to come every male once a year, and they would have to exchange their money for temple money and all sorts of mm. things and buy a lamb for a sacrifice. They were being defrauded. There was a, a huge, um, a huge fraud happening in here, and uh, the people were being taken for a ride. And religion and, and what was intended by God was being hijacked, if you like. And so here it was the religious leaders in John chapter two in the cleansing yeah, of the temple, and Jesus yeah. talks about them making his house a house a den of thieves. Okay, so and of course, what Christ does is uh, chases the secular uh, merchants out of the spiritual place. Absolutely. And yet here, what we've got in this particular article, we've got Facebook intending to make money out of people's prayers. I know that myself. I mean, I'm I'm actually not on Facebook, so I won't be able to uh, to use it. It was uh, many years ago. I, I threatened my my children. I said to them, I said, oh, I'm going to go on Facebook so I can uh, so I can stalk you. And, uh, and they their response to me was, Ah, oh, Dad, you've got to have prayer. You've got to have friends uh, before you can go on Facebook. You don't have any friends, so you don't you you've got nobody to listen to you. You're safe. <laughs> I'm very safe. That's right. Yeah, but. Look, you know, this is um, um, uh, th- this to me. I think is a really key key article. Now, look, just one last question. I do have to put to you. Look, how can churches? Because to me, this really does point to a need that is in the lives of all of us. A need to be able to share uh, our prayer requests. Now, look, the reality is, is churches often haven't done well at responding to this particular need. How can churches better cater for believers' deepest spiritual needs? This is a critical question, isn't it? And we're living in an era of fear and anxiety and and prayer is that thing that just brings us into the very presence of God, if you like. So a number of things, Gary. Um, recently, the last week or two, I know when I've spoken to some church members and, and, and working with some um 
either I will say or they will say, hey, can we pray for each other? And and uh, to have someone pray for me, I find is really powerful as a minister yeah, yeah. to have a church member pray for me. So you can use things such as a telephone, you can um, or the mobile. Perhaps we should say telephones probably don't exist anymore, do they? Yeah. But um, face-to-face. One of our churches here in Adelaide, Gary, and I'm sure this happens across many denominations and cities in Australia, has... Um, I think it's a 24-hour period of prayer, and mm-hmm. they've put out a bit of a roster for, for church members to sign up to a particular time slot mm-hmm. throughout the 24-hour period where they will be praying. And uh, then I believe people send in their prayer requests, and mm. uh, that person and people every next hour can be praying. Uh, so we can use social media. We can use um, the internet and all sorts of things to increase prayer, but there's nothing like the Bible says when two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there in their midst. Yeah. There's nothing like coming together. Now, we can pray by distance, clearly. Yeah. And uh, I know in our office we do worship every morning via Zoom. Um, now, many of us are in the office, but a number of people work remotely, etc., and we actually have more people able to join us on Zoom for worship with our office staff than we would if we were just isolating it to those. That's who are a in beautiful the way to start worship to start the day, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, thank you so much for that. Really, do. and I, look, I really appreciate that uh, illustration of the uh, of the church that's just praying around the clock. I think that's such. In fact, very, very soon, I know that we've actually got coming up in in all of our churches a thing called a week of prayer. And I know that uh, just at our uh, in my own church, we have had a an elders meeting just the last Sunday night where we are sitting down and we uh, spend some time in prayer and we're looking at the issue of this uh, week of prayer that we we are planning in the very near future because we want to give a high emphasis uh, to prayer, particularly in the time of COVID when so many people have got questions in their minds. Look how Jesus uh, utilised the gift of prayer. He couldn't have done ministry without it, and yet we as Christians, I say we, myself included, do not fully appreciate or or tap into this incredible source of power and communion yeah, with God. Yeah, yeah, no, that's powerful. That's powerful. Look, guys, let's come to some music. Uh, love, uh, this is uh, Sandra Etterman. Uh, the song is uh, Faithful Men. Uh, you'll really, really appreciate uh, all that Sandra has uh, has got to share in, uh, in this song. Uh, please enjoy Sandra Etterman. to love. 
And that is Sandra Etterman of Faithful Men. Love uh, the words of uh, Sandra's songs. They are so powerful. Uh, they all, always do uh, touch uh, people's hearts. Uh, look, folks, we do have um, a giveaway book uh, for you uh, for you today. Uh, so many people have sometimes uh, said to me as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, um, pastor, who actually runs uh, the Faith FM network? It's run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, some have followed up and said, well, you know, what really does the Seventh-day Adventist Church actually believe. We'd really like to know what uh, what you fellows um, do stand for. Now, look, we've got a, a really beautiful uh, little book. Uh, it's just been uh, released. It's just been printed. Uh, it's entitled The Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia, What We Believe. This is a brief summary. And, you know, I love uh, how, how this is actually set up, how it's actually presented, uh, what it shares about uh, the church, its belief in, in, in creation, in salvation, the Bible, um, what is man really like? Um, what is the thing that's happening in the battle between good and evil? Uh, this this book really answers so many questions. If you've had questions uh, about the Seventh Day Adventist Church, uh, this is uh, your opportunity to have uh, those questions answered. Now, look, if you would like a copy of this little book, um, just uh, text us uh, to o four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven. That number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. And just text uh, the uh, the code SA twelve. That's all you need to do. Just SA twelve. That's to oh four triple eight eight oh eight. 11. And then we've got an incredibly clever little bot, a robot, uh, that will contact you, uh, and ask you for the, for the details, uh, that we require to be able to, uh, send you, uh, this particular book. Uh, we love, uh, our friend, uh, the robot. Um, we, uh, we call him bot. Uh, so, uh, so folks, if you'd like a copy of, uh, this, uh, this particular book, Seventh Day Adventist Church in Australia, what we believe, we'd love to be able to share it, uh, with you. Uh, please, uh, feel free to, uh, to just request, uh, at our number, 04888808811, and that code is SA12. And, uh, and, uh, we'll send that, uh, that book out, out to you. Uh, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week uh, we've commenced working our way through the thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Now this is the, the first few chapters in, the, uh, in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, this week's theme uh, is entitled The Radical Teachings of Jesus. And today we're simply asking... Is Christ's teaching on murder and violence still valid? Now, of course, his teaching that we're referring to is actually found in Matthew 5, 21 uh, through to 26. I'm just wondering, David, would it be worth you just maybe reading the first few verses so we know the the passage that we're actually referring to? Could you just read that for us? Yeah, absolutely, Gary. Uh, Jesus says, and and as you said, this is uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Wow. Wow. You know, David, this passage is one where we could pick up just so many issues. Uh, you know, Christ picks up just one of the commandments 
and he actually expands on that commandment. It to me, this challenges our increasingly violent culture. It, it challenges our media norms. It challenges our human relationships themselves. You know, what do you, how would you respond to somebody, David? Is this teaching of Christ concerning murder? Is it still valid today? Gary, I think to answer that, the answer is definitely yes. And we can answer that by even looking at some statistics from, from society. Just want to share with a couple of those before sure, we sure, get into the sure. study. Uh, homicides last year in Australia and homicide-related offences. In 2020, in Australia, there were 396 victims of homicides and related offences uh, recorded by the police. And that was a decrease of 19 from 2019. But imagine that, 396 people lost their lives due to homicides. That's more than one a day. You don't realise how many homicide has actually affected. You sort of hear of one occasionally on the news, but it's sort of one or two and you you fail to actually, but that's getting very close to one a day. Uh, well, it's over, just over one a day, absolutely. And then, um, you know, 40% of those uh, homicide-related activities or deaths were aged between 35 to 54. Two-thirds were male. Uh, and um, it's interesting that more than a third or 37% were family and domestic violence-related incidents. 145 were family and domestic violence-related. Now, also last year, Gary, when it comes to domestic violence, and there's a lot of information out there now, as there should be, Yeah. Um, last year, 2020 in Australia, was the worst year on record for domestic violence. Well, and, of course, COVID probably kicked into that because you actually had families being forced to live at home in sometimes a fairly tight environment. That's it, no escape. In fact, two-thirds of the women that uh, were surveyed in, in with violence said that the violence either occurred for the first time or intensified when COVID-19 broke out. So mm. almost no escape. Mm. And mm. essentially we know that with domestic violence... Uh, uh, one lady dies more than one a week in Australia. Wow, wow. Now, now let's just picture this another way, whether it's the domestic violence or, or homicide, full stop. If there were 300, what did I say? There was 390, I think, um, 396 victims of homicide. Imagine if there were 396 deaths due to shark attack. Wow, yeah. What uh, would we all be saying? There would be what uproar. Would be doing? There'd, there'd, be, be up- there'd be massive uproar. Yeah. Uh, and yet... Um, so is Jesus' teaching relevant? Absolutely. Last year, Gary, just to go a bit broader afield in America, last year was uh, the worst year in America for deaths uh, for more than a couple of decades. They mm-hmm. had 19,000 people killed in shootings and firearm-related incidents. That is incidents. huge. 19,000. Oh, that is huge. I mean, imagine. I mean, uh, how many can get into our uh, our football ground? I mean, uh, down here at Adelaide Oval. I mean, so, so the South Australian, the Adelaide Oval, probably the, one of the most iconic uh, cricket grounds in, in Australia, besides the MCG, I'm a proud Victorian, <laughs> and maybe the SCG, would hold about 55,000. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking a third. Yeah, every two and a half years, you're filling that up to the full with people that have lost their lives. That's in America. That's true. Now, this is that. murder and homicide, not, yeah. not shootings via suicide. No. And that no. would also be significant. So 19,000, that, that's the highest death toll in America with uh, people killed by shootings and firearms in over 20 years. 
That's that's huge. And not only that, Gary, but mass shootings. And and these are shootings that um, uh, where they uh, class, this is in America, four or more deaths. So mm. mass shootings um, are basically risen drastically to over 600 in America, yeah. uh, the most in the past five years, and nearly a 50% increase on 2019. Huge, huge. So... Is Jesus' teaching? It makes it hugely relevant what Christ is actually saying here, isn't it? You know, because, you know, there are so many people. I mean, how would you respond? I mean, so many people say, oh, Christ has done away with the, with the commandments. And yet here, what he's actually doing is he picks up on this occasion one of the commandments. And tomorrow we're going to be looking at another one. But he picks up one of the commandments and he actually expands on it. And, and teaches the people that this is something that is hugely relevant to the, uh, to the world in which he was living. How much more relevant is it to the world in which we live? He's intensifying, um, what was given to, well, he's intensifying what the Jews thought the commandments stated. Okay. So, whereas, as you say, where many Christians say the law's done away with, we're now living in the age after the cross, uh, the Jews were saved by the law, we're saved by the grace of God. That's wrong. Uh, Noah was, uh, found Well, we are saved by the grace of God. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's very true. It's wrong to say that in the Old Testament people were saved by law keeping. No one will ever be saved by law keeping. Everyone that will ever be in heaven will be saved by grace. Exactly. And, and and that to me is one of the most beautiful, you know, I think of even Noah, but and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. People in the Old Testament were yeah, saved by six. grace. Absolutely. Yeah. So here we have in this incredible sermon, and, you know, sometimes when I've, I've got a sermon that I sort of touch on this chapter, and I sort of ask parishioners, um, would you have loved to have heard the, the most powerful, the best sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount? And without doubt, most people put up their hands, and I say, you guys aren't telling the truth. Because this sermon turns people's perspectives on their head. This would have yeah. angered anyone that was a religious leader. Yeah. Because they thought they were the in crowd. And in fact, in verse 20 of uh, Matthew 5, Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds, or in other words, is greater than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Now, this is significant because the religious leaders had a huge focus on outward acts of mm-hmm. piety, of holiness. Mm-hmm. And by having outward acts of holiness, they thought that that made them right with God. Okay. Uh, and this is significant because we do need to come to this particular passage because, of course, they're only too familiar with what is the uh, the the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. They're very familiar with that. That is one of the – that's core teaching. That is part of the Decalogue. Absolutely. And I know tomorrow you'll deal with some of this. But, Gary, if I said to you, have you ever – uh, murdered someone, I would like to think that you would say no. I could put it, up my hand very, I could put my hand very proudly and say, this is a commandment that I have kept from my youth. From your youth, as did a young man come to Jesus. What if I said to your wonderful wife, if I said to Colleen, I'd say, Colleen, what's it like to live with a murderer in your house? Oh, now, now let's move on very quickly, David. Let's move on very quickly. Because I think, Gary, we yeah. all can say I've never committed the act of murder, or most of us, right? 
a vast percentage. Yeah, yeah. We don't even have to think twice about that one. Yeah. But Jesus is really intensifying this command, if you like, and he's saying it's it's not the outward act. The outward act comes from the inward con- condition. I think what you're saying there, David, is so important because, you know, one of the things that Christ actually uh, says here is that, you know, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of a judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka. Now, of course, this word Raka is actually a totally untranslatable word that actually means if I, if you speak to a brother or a sister with contempt in your voice, yeah. you are guilty. Now, David, I mean, to me, this. Have, have we done that? I'd have to put my hand up. This frightens me. It really does because, you know, I can put up my hand very easily and say, hey, look, you know, I've never actually run the knife through anybody. But if you sort of say to me, well, have you ever spoken to somebody with contempt in your voice and you're guilty in the same way? I sort of... Uh, we would have to plead guilty. Guilty as charged. Guilty. In guilty. fact, the word raka, besides that contempt, which it includes, simply means fool and empty-headed. So if we're thinking of someone that they're a fool or talking about them as a fool and empty-headed, we're guilty of murder. This is actually... can depending uh, Given what is written on Facebook today, you know, in so many cases, this is hugely challenging. And Gary, this is why it's so ludicrous to think that many Christians believe the law is done away with. In in Matthew 5.17, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, not the smallest elements of, of the, the Hebrew alphabet, he's saying, uh, will by no means pass away till the law is fulfilled. Yeah. So Jesus came to live out the law. He's a lawgiver. Mm-hmm. It's interesting here, Gary, that um, I noticed you first mentioned the commandment and, and the commandments were given right there, I believe, when Adam and Eve, they knew about them prior to sin, I believe. Yeah. God's, they were a reflection of God's character. Yeah. But um, they were given in stone on Mount Sinai. Mm, written in granite. Written in granite. Um, and uh, you wouldn't want that on your kitchen bench, would you, Father? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. wouldn't. Condemn us. Uh, and that's the purpose of the law, to show us how sinful we are, not to save us, but to drive us to a saviour. But, um, yeah, many people look at some of the versions where it says, thou shalt not kill. Yeah. Uh, most scholars uh, with research today um, seem to indicate that the word that is better fitted instead of thou shalt not kill is thou shalt not murder. And the reason being, the word that is used there, both in Exodus 20.13, where it says you shall not murder, or some translations you shall mm. not kill, and again here in Matthew 5.21, is really talking about to kill intentionally and with premeditation. Okay. So it's premeditated and with intention. So it's what we would call murder. Exactly. Because I know that I've actually had a numerous number of people certainly say to me, you know, thou shalt not kill. But what about when uh, judicially, you know, what about capital punishment? Does that, you know, because the Jews are certainly allowed capital punishment. How can you allow capital punishment and forbid killing? Uh, And the answer, of course, is exactly, I believe, what uh, you've just shared. Absolutely. So this is talking about intentionally killing with premeditation. So in other words, murder. Mm -hmm. Now, I personally don't support capital punishment. Mm -hmm. 
But um, clearly it, it is a part of many countries. And as we look through the Old Testament, when they were under um, a theocracy, God's direct rule without earthly kings and that, there was a place for that mm. uh, in society. So, you know, thou shalt not murder. So Jesus in Matthew 5.21, he says, you have heard that it was said of to those of old. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Mm. This is really critical. Jesus didn't say it I said of old or the commandments said of old. He is saying you have heard that it was said. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is not doing away with what was given at Sinai and what existed prior to Sinai mm-hmm. orally. Mm-hmm. He is simply saying, your leaders have told you this. You have heard it said. It's it's become part of the rabbinic traditions. It has become part of the uh, of the teaching of the church. It's become part of the normative belief structure. Even though it's not what was originally given. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is not doing away or diminishing the law. Um the 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 religious system, as you have just said, basically changed things, made it external. Jesus comes along and he's saying, "Hey, this is the true intent." Yeah. Because let's face it, um, uh, James talks about how sin occurs, doesn't he? At first, there is thought, and then as we dwell on that thought, it grows until it produces death. Mm. In other words. Sin first begins in the mind, or or the Bible would call it the heart. And that is what this particular passage, that's what this passage is saying. You know, we've got murder is the, it's so easy to identify it when somebody has actually run a knife into a a friend. But here Christ is saying, hey, you know, I don't even want you to think um, in a hateful manner towards somebody else. That's a, is that realistic? Humanly speaking, no, but with God, all things are possible. Okay, let's just stop there. We're going to come back. So I want to pick up at that particular point if we can. But look, guys, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, uh, Kathleen Carnelli, and uh, the song is uh, Micah uh, 6 8. For he has shown thee, O man, what is good. His right plan What the Lord does require Let this be our desire To do justly To love mercy
Carnelli and the uh, title of the song Micah 6 8. That's one of the most beautiful passages in the Old Testament. Love Micah 6 8. What does the Lord require of you, O man, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Uh, what a summary of the gospel message in the Old Testament. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much for that, Kathleen. Um, beautiful. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week uh, we've commenced uh, looking at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the week's theme is the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. And today we're simply asking, is Christ teaching on murder and violence are still valid. You know, David, one of the, uh, uh, if we can come back to that, uh, that question that we uh, stopped at before our, our side, I think it's really important. Look, how practical do you see Christ's teaching actually is? I mean, he's, we, we all accept that thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not kill, however it's, it's best translated. That's, that's, that's easy. Um, but here when he says, hey, it's even a matter of how you think about somebody else. It's even a matter of how, what you write on Facebook. It's even a matter of, you know, speaking with arrogance to somebody else. You know, that to me really challenges my heart. Is that all that practical? So in one sense, it's not practical because we can't keep it, right? Mm. But in another sense, this is what happens when when the carnal man, if you like, the carnal person, the sinful man, um, is converted on a daily basis, if you like, and surrenders to Jesus Christ. Uh, it's interesting here that um, 
the religious people are worried about their externals. We put on a face, we put on a front. But we know from the story of Samuel when he goes to Jesse in the Old Testament, First Samuel 16, and he looks at all the sons of Jesse to anoint mm-hmm. and he thinks this will be the one, this will be the one. And God says to him, no, this is not the one. Mm-hmm. And God says to him, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So critically, it's the heart that is at stake. Yeah. And that's why we have in Scripture the, the cry, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit, spirit within, within me. me. So this cannot be kept. The, none of the commandments be, can, can be kept through our own strength. Mm. They can only be lived out within us when we have this renewal of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example here, mm-hmm. Gary. That's when good. it says here in uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 21, when it says... Um, I'll just dig it up again. When it said, uh, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. It's interesting here that when we study the word, and we'll get on to the very practical side of things, when we study the word anger here, there are several words for anger in the Greek. This one is not talking about anger that just swells up like that in a rage. It's not mm-hmm. talking about that. It's talking about a deep-seated anger that builds over time mm. that this is, uh, this is what God is talking about here. What Jesus is talking about deep seated anger that builds up over time and consumes our thinking, our well being, and our thoughts not only internally but ultimately impacts externally. Wow, and that's why the text goes on. Um, it says you're in danger of judgment, by the way. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. So, this is deep seated, lives with us. Yeah, now what happens when anger lives within us that hasn't been released? And hasn't been dealt with. This is something that really starts to um, to, to, to to grow and multiply, and uh, it, it uh, destroys us, doesn't it? It, it actually yeah. destroys us, and so that's why it goes on. And then it says, "Whoever says to his brother, Racker, like you fool, or hold someone in contempt, you're an empty-headed person." Our whole thinking, our whole being changes. Yeah. yeah. So this is what Jesus. You know, is David, this is about. this is so significant because you know I, I'm so conscious of um, of. Fam- families, you know, at Christmas dinner who, you know, really struggle to get through Christmas dinner uh, because of the antagonism that there is between members, even in the same family. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we know from Scripture in Colossians 3, Paul says that, um, you know, the Christian life shouldn't be characterized uh, by people that are angry. Uh, Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 8, he says, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. The things that make me angry, some of them, and I'll share only one, is when I'm cut off by drivers or when I'm stuck here, and, and this is a, a thumbs down to South Australian drivers, uh, they drive so slow, they drive next to each other, and I, I don't want to put a Christian symbol on my car because it wouldn't be a good advertisement. So these are the things, the minuscule, worthless things make us angry. Why? Because they're affronting our own nature yeah, and our own desires. Yeah, yeah. There is such a thing as righteous anger, and this is the injustice to people. This is poverty. This is things like the media and what it puts out there. These are the things that made God angry and makes Jesus yeah, angry. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gary, um, is this practical? Is this teaching practical today? Uh, and your question was, Gary, uh, how do we? How do we actually put this into practice? In our lives, because the reality is, is that I can put up my hand uh, and say, I've never killed. 
I can do that quite proudly. You know, I've never killed anybody. But can I say I've never spoken to somebody with contempt in my voice? Well, no, I can't say that. You know, is there a way of changing me, you, Absolutely. our world? And I think the word you said was proudly. I can quite proudly say, as I could, and this is the issue. It's pride. Mm. Uh, so, Gary, um, one of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. And the Apostle Paul says, I beseech you. He says, I implore, I beg you. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. In other words, give up yourself, hand yourself over fully to God. Surrender, in other words. Yeah. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, Gary, you turn on the TV. And the other night I turned it on. I'd had a, a huge day, and I just turned it on. I went channel surfing, mm. and almost every channel was something with sex or swearing or something that was uh, not not worthy for mm. a Christian to watch. Yeah, yeah. So what happens when we dwell on these things and watch these things? I think we live in a society that is continually being desensitized. Yeah. And there have been studies on gaming and all sorts of things, you know, violent gaming, that uh, a number of these uh, mass shootings uh, that have occurred throughout the world, Mm -hmm. there have been some connecting points with uh, violent gaming, etc. Yeah. So we can't but help as we as we focus on something. We absorb. We can't help our mind, our, our eyes, our ears, our senses are sponges. In other words, what Christ is really saying here is what you behold through your senses, what you see, you hear, you touch, you taste, actually comes into your body, but then it has an impact on you. And yes, in the most extreme case, somebody might plunge a knife into somebody else. But even before it gets to the extreme case, the there is hate that actually wells up in the mind of someone. And what Christ, I believe, is trying to do is to address that issue right here. Absolutely, because if you look at some of the lists of people that will be excluded from the kingdom, Mm. they're not just murderers. Things such as gossiping and slander and these sorts of things. Uh, Gary, uh, Philippians 4, again the Apostle Paul. Finally, brethren... So this is his last message. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Mm, That's a powerful message. what are we meditating on? And it comes down to, Gary, we cannot... we cannot fulfill what Jesus says in Matthew five nineteen to 26. We cannot. And, you know, David, that is actually so important that you've actually picked that up because, you know, um, Ephesians says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Do you know, if in fact it was murder, was just simply plunging a knife in, I could put up my hand and say, hey, I've kept that one, I'm worthy. But I can ignore that part of Scripture. The very moment, however, that Christ amplifies it the way he does, I turn and I say, hey, I'm guilty. I'm guilty at that point. And so how am I going to get into the kingdom? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Uh, and yet Christ is challenging me to say, hey, you know, I want you, I want your life uh, to be able to, to replicate 
my life. Because he wants us to be a reflection to the community around us of what Jesus is. In other words, we're ambassadors, the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians. We're there to reflect the kingdom and uh, be a witness for the kingdom of heaven. That's so God's got thought. a lot of work to do in my life, and I, I'd like to say, Gary, and yours too. <laughs> <laughs> I I've really, just broken the really, command. really appreciate that, David. Really appreciate that. Uh, look, guys, we are coming to the to the end of our program. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for giving us your word, Lord. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us your salvation through grace, uh, Lord. Thank you for challenging us. Uh, to become like Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, by which we're able to live out a new life, the life uh, of the disciple. Uh, Lord, I thank you for all that you've said in this sermon. It is so powerful. It is so challenging. Lord, I pray that you might continue to work on each of us through your Spirit. We just ask, we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining uh, Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when uh, Pastor Fabiano and uh, Helen Gray uh, spend the entire time looking at the question, is Christ's teaching on adultery still valid? Really look forward uh, to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid may our God richly bless you